Welcome, welcome. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Pragmatic Data Podcast, where we talk about what data science is and how people are using it. I'm your co-host, Nicholas Cifuentes Goodbody, and I am joined by my partner in arms, Gonzalo Diaz. Hey, Gonzalo, how are you? Hi, I'm doing great. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here in uh, the first episode of our podcast, hopefully the first of many. We're going to be talking about all things data science uh, for people who are interested in learning about data science or leveling up their data science skills. And we thought we'd start today uh, by talking about, well, learning data science and what options are out there. But uh, since this is the first episode, it might be good to talk about ourselves a bit just uh, to let people know who we are. Yeah. I love that idea. Let me yeah, yeah, I go, you first? go first. <laughs> so uh, my background is actually in Latin American literature. I have a PhD in Spanish, and for years I was a Spanish professor and a u- university administrator. And uh, at some point I moved out of academia and into the uh, actually uh, the place where we both work. I took their boot camp. And now I am an instructor. I am based in Los Angeles, and I teach all of our online courses. Great. Yeah. Uh, um, we both work at uh, the Data Incubator, yep. uh, part of the Pragmatic Institute. Um, but as for me, uh, I'm originally from Chile, uh, and I'm a computer scientist by training. I have a PhD in computer science. And uh, when I was finishing my P- computer science degree, uh, I got I was very interested in getting into the world of data science. And uh, just like you, Nicholas, I also took uh, the eight-week uh, fellowship that uh, the Data Incubator um, uh, offers. And that's how I got into data science. And today I'm an instructor at our DC office, where um, I'm one of the two instructors. And uh, here in the DC office, we have around 10 fellows. And actually, today was the very last day of our fellowship. So we went out and had lunch with the fellows and said goodbye to them. So a bittersweet moment, really proud to see them graduating and going out to find data science jobs. But uh, on Monday, our office will be quite empty in comparison. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Oh, well, but I'm happy that everyone graduated. That's good. Um, so, uh, today we thought we would talk a little bit about, since we work at a company that is about training data scientists or people who want to have data science skills, we might, we thought we might talk about the different ways that people go about learning data science. Right. And, um, learning data science is definitely the the way to start. There are so many options out there. We're going to try to talk about, um, a range of different options, um, but since it's the first episode, we thought we might actually want to start with defining what data science even is. You know what? You're absolutely right. And I absolutely forgot. So let's dive right in. Gonzalo, what is data science? Aha, uh-huh, yes. Throwing the ball to my side. And it's a tough one because data science is a new field. And I would actually venture, venture to say that there isn't a consensus about, around the definition of data science. Uh, one thing's for certain, though. Uh, businesses, organizations, governments, and in general groups of people that have some sort of strategic objective have always had to take data of uh, the world around them, their environment, and make decisions with that data. Even if you're just uh, opening an ice cream stand in the park, you have to decide at what time, uh, what ingredients do you buy, which flavors do you buy, and uh, do your clients buy more of. Uh, so at every level, you have this sort of strategic decision-making based on data. 
But in the last uh, 30 to 40 years, we've seen something radically change about the nature of data. Uh, we call this the data deluge. Uh, with computers came the internet, and with the internet um, came the logging of all sorts of information. Uh, maybe in the 90s, you would see a video game um, stored in a very small cartridge, and programmers would have to do such interesting uh, uh, techniques just to get their video games to fit in the cartridge, right? Oh, man, this is bringing me back. I'm thinking about my Nintendo. I got my e Power Glove out. Right. I'm ready. I'm ready. So, exactly. So in the Nintendo, for example, Super Mario, oh. if, if you take a closer look, the clouds and the rocks were the exact same shape, uh, and the reason for it was to save space. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, because that would save resources in, in this uh, very limited cartridge. But as technology progressed, uh, programmers didn't have to worry about that anymore because the cell phones we have in our pockets are millions of times more powerful uh, than the machines used in the Apollo missions. Uh, computers uh, on board the, the Apollo uh, rockets and, and spaceships. Uh, and not only that, but the storage has become infinitely cheap with respect to what we had in the 80s and 90s. So programmers don't even have to worry about uh, what we're going to log, what do we store, what do we save. And we've ended up in this situation where almost all data, everything uh, from what you click, how long you're watching, uh, where you're standing, everything is being logged, not just about our activities as people, but about uh, the general um, ongoings of any process, everything is being logged, and that's not creepy. Not creepy at not all. Not creepy at all. <laughs> uh, and this is this is being stored, and this is what we call the data deluge. So now the question becomes: How do we make these business or strategic decisions in the context of this gigantic amount of data we, that we have? How do we make sense of that? And that's probably what would separate fields that have existed for for. Um, decades or centuries, like statistics, uh, like business analytics, and this sort of new field, which is data science. Mm, mm, excellent, excellent. So basically, data science is all about, now that we have at our sort of fingertips all this data, um, how do we access it, how do we manipulate it, and how do we uh, best use it to improve our processes? Whether we're a company trying to sell, you know, uh, <laughs> widgets, or whether we're a government trying to deliver uh, public services to our citizens. Exactly. And uh, that raises a, a, a good point there. Um, one of the main pillars of data science um, is the domain knowledge, right? So to be a good data science scientist, you don't only have to be well-versed in the mathematical techniques or the coding techniques. You also have to have a strong uh domain knowledge of the subject matter that you're working with. It's very different to be a data scientist at a healthcare corporation than it is to be a data scientist at a local government, for example. Mm, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. But when it comes to uh, sort of the skills that you need in order to move into the data science uh, world, whether you want to be a data scientist or whether you just want to use some sort of data science techniques in your current job, there are lots of different routes that you can take. And so what we thought we would do in, uh, in this episode is we would just talk about different possible routes, different types of programs, different um, ways that you can, or different roads that you can take on your data science journey. Exactly. And 
Um, the options vary from the short to the long, from the weeks to the years, from the self-guided to the taught, from the structured to the unstructured. So there are so many options out there as the field of data science has exploded, so has the options for learning data science. So we thought we'd actually start with um, maybe the least uh, structured, uh, which means uh, more flexibility. Uh, basically, you decide how it is you're learning um, and then go on from there and, and move upward and talk about the different options that there are out there. Just the tiniest of disclaimers, of course, we have a soft spot in our heart for boot camps because we work at a boot camp. Um, but but yeah, uh, we, we can comment on the ad relative advantages and disadvantages. And there's no way that we can give you a final recommendation anyway. It might sound a bit cliche, but we'll probably be saying very often, depends on what you think, depends on what you prefer. But we can have a conversation about uh, around contrasting these options. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and of course, another disclaimer is we'll be we'll be mentioning some organizations or some companies, and this is by no means an exhaustive list. There are a lot more out there. We're just sort of naming a few. So if you're working at a company that we didn't mention, or you're a fan of a company we didn't mention, please, please, a thousand pardons, but uh, just roll with us, all right? Yeah, right. And uh, get in contact with us. Yeah, and uh, I'm not sure how, if we'll have a comment section on this. We're just starting out. We're learning as we go. But if we can get a discussion going, that would be excellent. Yes, please send all your hateful tweets to Gonzalo. What's your <laughs> right. Twitter handle? <laughs> <laughs> right, at GDSC. <laughs> okay, well, let's let's dive right in then. So we're going to go from least structured to most structured. And so if we're starting at the sort of least structured side, I think the, the first step is self-learning, right? Basically, I would say 90% of what you need to know as a data scientist already exists. It's already out there and it's already kind of free and accessible to you on the internet. If you haven't heard of the internet, it's very big. I suggest you check it out. Yeah. Now, there are sites like uh, Kaggle, there are blogs like Towards Data Science, even Medium has a large sort of data science contingent where you can dive into different topics, read how people are doing things, even enter data science competitions, see how people have created their models. So if all you want to do is kind of dip your toe in and see what's out there, um, this is definitely the way to go. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and I, I would uh, se separate uh, into categories. There's these blog sort of websites where you see, uh, you mentioned, I think, towards data science. You also have analyticsvidya.com. You have KD Nuggets. Uh, you have um, uh, mailing lists like Data Science Weekly that you could receive into your email. Just uh, all these sort of uh, news outlets or uh, blog um, ecosystems. And then on the other side, you have these websites where you can actually uh, learn by doing, right? So Kaggle, for example, uh, which you mentioned, is a website where um, they propose challenges and they give you a data set and they give you an objective and uh, you can hands-on, you have to code the solution, explore the data and arrive to the results. Uh, then there are other alternatives like um, Data Driven, uh, which yes, is... Yes, uh, I love yeah, Data Driven. Yeah, it's similar, but with social, more socially or oriented problems, right? And, um, so, so many of these options where you can uh, both start absorbing information and reading and learning, but also hands-on doing. 
Yes, yes. And actually, on that same sort of uh, vein, another organization which I would really like to plug because it's near and dear to my heart is the Carpentries. And they generally give um, workshops to researchers at universities about how to do better data management and data analysis techniques, but their entire curriculum is open source, and you can simply just go to their website and follow through their lessons. So that's also another really great place to start if you're interested in, in seeing what's out there. Right. And um, in terms of uh, accessing the resources you need to be able to learn data science, how do you load these things onto your laptop? Uh, luckily enough, the data science community has also been really open with this and somehow the, the ecosystem or the community that we have is uh, revolves around open source tools from the programming language Python to the uh, Jupyter Notebooks to um, high, uh, high highly specialized libraries like Spark, like TensorFlow, they're all open source. Uh, you could just download them and install them. But sometimes that could be a bit of a barrier to entry, right? It, may, it can be a bit daunting to have to install all these things onto your computer. So then you you also find um, platforms where you can access um, a pre-built uh, ecosystem and just start coding. So Kaggle is one example, but you also have Google Colab, for example, that um, that offers these notebooks where you can start building neural networks without having to install anything on your computer. You could, uh, as long as you can open a browser, then you can start doing data science. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So there is a very low uh, barrier to entry, which I think is a great thing about the field and it sort of speaks to its values. Um, one, I think, drawback about the sort of self-learning approach is that because there are so many resources out there, especially if you're kind of new to the field, it's very hard to know where to start how to structure your own learning, keep your motivation up. You know, these are all, if you're not a highly motivated uh, person who has a lot of sort of understanding about the way that you learn, it can make this sort of self-learning a little overwhelming and it's, and it's easy to kind of fizzle out. Yeah. Um, and in that sense, sometimes uh, a rec recommendation I would give is um, if you're self-learning, sometimes it's useful to try proposing a project for yourself. So maybe you have a passion. Maybe you're interested in cycling, for example, uh, or, or any other topic. And you have access to some data. And maybe you can start researching, exploring this data, and you want to make the, a contribution to the cycling community. Maybe you want to predict where's the best place to cycle um, or any other project-oriented question. And then you can that gives you a drive to start researching what tools you need to accomplish that specific project or that specific goal. And that sometimes helps self-direct your own learning. Uh, so that's something I would recommend if you're self-learning. Take, uh, take a shot at uh, project-oriented learning. Absolutely. I think the project-based learning is always, for me at least, it's always been the most effective. Um, so let's see here. After self-learning, let's go up like another level. I think another uh, way to keep learning is to connect with data science communities that are already out there. And there are a couple ways you can do that. One, you can join uh, user groups. If you go to Meetup, there are tons of data science groups. There are tons of 
Python groups, there are tons of R user groups, which is another uh, data science popular programming language in data science. And they're all super welcoming. They're all super nice. And you'll meet people who are just starting out and experts. And what they have in common is that they're passionate about the topic and they want to share what it is that they're doing. So I would say dive right into a user group. Yeah. And uh, by going to these events um, in person or uh, discussion groups or basically diving into the community, you'll start to absorb um, inf information almost by osmosis, right? It's not direct learning, but you're talking to people who are interested in the same things as you. You're talking about specific problems. Uh, you'll, you'll talk to some people who are interested in topic A, healthcare, or another person who's interested in climate change, another person who's interested in online and advertisement. And uh, they're all in the same room uh, and you'll start to absorb the vocabulary and you'll, st you'll start, uh, start to be able to understand uh, what's hot in the field, What uh, uh, what's trending, what's growing, what's new, and all these sort of things, I guess I would describe it as becoming a fan of data science. Yeah, you mentioned becoming a fan of data science. Another place you can go are to data science conferences. You know, <laughs> it's not quite Woodstock, but it's right up there, right? So again, you can see what people are doing in the field. Um, you can meet people who are either new to the field, who are experts. You can uh, build your own personal network. And I guarantee you that any data science uh, conference you go to, there will be at least one talk on how I got started in data science or how to find a job in data science, anything like that. Right. And uh, I have to say, I'm also a sucker for the merch. Oh, yeah. Gotta love the merch, man. Yep, yeah. <laughs> I got a. I went to a conference uh, in New York, uh, the Strata Data Conference, not long ago, and uh, my prized possession from that uh, conference is a pair of Heroku socks. For those of uh, uh, those of you who don't know, Heroku is a platform. Uh, I I like it pretty much. It allows you to um, fire up servers and uh, deploy web apps. Uh, yeah, it's a or, very very nice yeah. platform. Or it helps you keep your feet warm as well. And now, yep. Yeah. Now also bringing my feet warmth. Yeah. And now one word of warning, whether it's user groups or whether it is conferences, one thing that I think surprises people when they first join the data science community is how incredibly good looking data scientists are. Very <laughs> handsome, very beautiful people. And so if you are easily intimidated by what, by what I would call the aesthetically gifted, you know, just but don't let that stop you. Do you know what I mean? Just like go right through it. Everyone is super friendly and, you know, yeah. just do it, you know? Exactly. I don't know, Gonzalo, was that hard for you when you started? Uh, very tough. Yes, very tough meeting all those beautiful people. 
Um, but yeah, the data science community is a great community. And uh, um, recently, for example, I was uh, at a panel here in DC because the, the data science community here in DC organized DC Data Week. Uh, it was a week long um, event, uh, had interesting talks. Um, and uh, we had a panel that was actually um, uh, the same topic, right? Learning data science. And uh, that's partially what inspired uh, um, uh, the topic of today's podcast. Um, and yeah, I got to meet a ton of nice people all from the area. Um, yeah, in general, uh, being part of a data science community is enriching, uh, both academically, professionally, but also you meet great people and uh, make good friends. Yeah, and it's another real source of motivation, right? So we're talking about self-learning and it's hard to keep yourself motivated. Being yeah. connected to a community is, is a great way to, to uh, keep yourself moving forward. Exactly. And having said that, let's uh, move forward with our next uh, category of learning data science. And uh, we're trying to move forward towards more guided uh, options. And uh, we think that the next uh, level here would be to take some sort of online course. Uh, they could be either asynchronous or synchronous. Um, and uh, I'll start with asynchronous courses. And what asynchronous basically means is you don't have to be connected at the same time as your instructor. So usually you have access to a series of videos, um, and uh, you usually can pick um, which courses you take and uh, if you skip over some videos. So there's a lot of flexibility in that regard, but you choose when you're gonna watch the video, you watch it, but the lecturer is guiding you through a certain topic. Uh, so it's a bit more gui guided than before. And most of the time you'll have access to some sort of web forum where you can either talk to the instructor, ask questions, or sometimes with mentors or teaching assistants. Uh, or just a forum where you can talk about talk with your fellow classmates, compare notes, uh, and get help there. So online uh, courses are definitely um, an option. You have uh, MOOC platforms like Coursera, edX, um, WorldQuant, uh, Statistics.com. There are many different options there, and all of them are are amazing. And depending on uh, what what you want, you should definitely check their web pages out, see what courses they take uh, or they offer and uh, you're interested in taking. Um, yeah, so definitely an, an advantage of online courses is this flexibility of you picking and choosing uh, what's what's best. Yeah, and actually, so I actually teach the WorldQuant University uh, MOOC. It's like a lot of fun and uh, we have thousands of students in it. And I have to say that the thing I love about it most is that you are like meeting with people from all over the world. We have students who are participating from, uh, you know, Africa, Asia, Australia, I mean, just everywhere. And everyone's asking questions and, and uh, helping each other learn. It's just like a lot of fun. It's kind of like a raucous uh, scene. I really enjoy it. Yeah, and you're teaching that right at the moment, right? I'm teaching it right now. Like like yesterday, I was like, you know, ca uh, screencasting, live casting, streaming from my office here in, in Los Angeles. It's a lot of fun. Oh, that's great. And uh, yeah, and it's literally thousands of students connected um, or, or, or signed up for the course, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so believe me, you get questions of ev any kind of question you can imagine. You you get it. Wow, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, on the disadvantages side, though, just a word of caution with respect to these online asynchronous courses. 
you can't you haven't really gotten uh, rid of this um the ne- this necessity for self motivation right because since you are choosing when you connect you're choosing uh, uh when you uh, set aside a couple of hours to study uh, or to watch the video or or which course to take uh, this month and how fast to advance it's it still requires quite a lot of uh, self-motivation and uh, discipline in that sense. Um, and if you are that sort of person, then maybe this isn't a disadvantage at all. Maybe this is just um, another another feature. Um, but in my case, for example, I would probably uh, go for something a bit more. I, I went and we'll be talking about hopefully our own journeys uh, uh, towards the end of the podcast. Uh, but I went for a, a more guided um, option uh, mainly because I knew that I tend to peter out if I have to uh, push myself, and, and no one is, um, uh, and no one is pushing me further. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I I find that myself, I'm more. The asynchronous courses work well for me because there's time flexibility, and I'm pretty motivated. But one thing I do to keep motivated is I discuss my learning either sort of within my social group, like on social media. Or within those user groups, you know, we're all encouraging each other. So think about taking maybe a hybrid approach, right? Where you're kind of doing your own self-learning, but you're also building a network of support and motivation at the same time. It's yeah. just, I don't know, just an idea. Yeah, good idea. And let's move on then. Uh, more structure. Uh, and here, you'll start to find uh, programs where we start to see infrastructure an office sometimes, or at the very least, a chat group with instructors and with a curriculum that guide you through uh, a pre-thought path of learning uh, data science. And we'll start with the first one, uh, which is boot camps. Boot camps usually, yeah, uh, you you wanted to say something, Nicholas? Oh, no, okay, I'll continue. Um, Yeah, we're talking about boot camps, which are generally very intense um, programs that range anywhere from four to five weeks uh, to maybe even 11 or 12 weeks, uh, depending. Um, and they can be either part-time or almost feel like nine to five full-time jobs, like like the case of our uh, our own bootcamp, the Data Incubator. Um, and you'll usually see a mix of actual lectures. So uh, an instructor or a data scientist will actually... Um, take an hour in the day to teach you a certain topic and there's a curriculum so they'll, they'll, they'll have chosen um, a progression of topics to go through in these weeks and you'll also see several other activities that will keep you very busy like uh, practicing your coding skills or usually working on a capstone project so there's a project uh, project based learning is also a big part of these boot camps um, yeah, so one of the advantages of these boot camps is it's really intense. So it's uh, immerse yourself entirely in the world of data science. And by the time you're coming out the other side, you really feel like a data science. You feel empowered. Uh, so I definitely say that's one of the advantages of boot camps. Yeah, absolutely. And to piggyback on that, another advantage that uh, I like about boot camps is while it's true that everything that you need to learn is kind of out there already, there is a lot of infrastructure that can be a little onerous to set up. And having a bootcamp set that up for you ahead of time 
like setting up a Spark server, setting up a SQL database, making sure your Python environment works, making sure everything works so that you can focus on learning is, is really a wonderful part of, uh, of, uh, of a bootcamp. Right. Um, another uh, characteristic, I, I don't really know if I want to put this into the category of, of advantages or disadvantages, it could be either, is the length. Um, you're actually committing yourself to setting aside four weeks or 12 weeks. Um, this is different than an asynchronous course or self-learning. Uh, you will be setting aside this time to dedicate f- uh, usually almost full-time t- to the activity of learning data science. But then again, four weeks or 12 weeks at most is a relatively short amount of time that um, we'll see later that you could be setting aside years Uh uh, this is measured usually in weeks, so usually it fits in uh, a bit easier. Yeah, and I think another advantage is that a lot of or several boot camps um, students attend for free, and the way that the the company makes income is that they pair with. Um, companies that are looking to hire data scientists. And so when they hire someone from the program, they pay a finder's fee back to the to the to the boot camp. And so what that means is that the boot camp's interests are highly aligned with those of the student. So on the one hand, they want the student to learn the material, they want the student to do well in interviews, they want the student to get a job, and they want to make sure that their curriculum um, matches what are the needs of the market. Right. So in this category, you have examples like our very own, uh, the Data Incubator, uh, but you also have uh, many different. On, on the East uh, Coast, for example, you have uh, Insight. Um, or is that not the West Coast? I'm so sorry. <laughs> no idea. Uh, I think it's the West Coast. <laughs> it's okay. It's all, you know, it's, it's, yeah. a, we're, it's a global village. Oh, yeah, global village, exactly. <laughs> uh, here in DC, for example, we have uh, the Flat Iron Institute. And uh, surely in your area, there will be other um, boot camps uh, opportunities out there. No, absolutely. They're, they're all over. Just Google boot camps exactly. in whatever city you're in and a bunch will come up. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And those are boot camps. Yeah. One thing I should say, and I guess this is true of anything, but um, you know, not all boot camps are free, and sometimes you know it's it's pay to play, and uh, some some places will be more interested in cashing your check than making sure you get a job or making sure that you learn the material. Um, not that it, not that they're bad actors, but simply think about how your interests are aligned with those of the company, you know, and just sort of go in with your eyes open. Right. And I'd actually say that's sound advice for uh, making decisions uh, in life in general, not there necessarily. You go. So bootcamps. this is also a life advice podcast. <laughs> right. So uh, next, uh, yeah, Nicholas, would you, would you like to talk about uh, more formal uh, training programs from more formal schools? Yes, absolutely. So I guess the next step up after this is doing actual, say, graduate degree in data science. And we're seeing a lot of masters pop up um, all over uh, the world and even some PhDs. And uh, there are a lot of advantages to going the higher education route. Um, On the one hand, when you finish, you get a diploma. And a diploma has a lot of cultural capital, right? Lots of companies are interested in hiring people with uh, master's degrees in data science. So that is important. Another thing is you will be working with um, 
you know, researchers. So people who are um, sort of prevalent in their fields and know the material really well. Or if you yourself are interested in doing research, you know, you'll have a chance to do collaboration with them, which is another another thing that's a, a plus for master's degrees. Right. And uh, some things to be uh, aware of. Um, it's a usually a bigger commitment in terms of time and in terms of money. So in terms of time, uh, we're usually not talking about weeks anymore. We're talking about one, two, maybe even three years that you'd be setting aside for this program. And uh, yeah, yeah, these are not cheap programs. So those are big considerations to have in mind for this route. Yeah. And then a few other things that I would say, and I say this as somebody who was, I've worked as a professor in academia and as an administrator in academia, you know, just because someone is an expert in their field doesn't mean that they are interested in teaching or that they're a good teacher. And so you might not have the best learning experience, right? Uh, a lot of boot camps are all about project-based learning. And that's a really great way, at least for me to learn. You might not see that as much in a, in a graduate program. Right. Um, another consideration I could uh, think of is the fact that we have more time um, and usually more resources because these uh, universities or schools, uh, usually data science is not the only thing they're teaching um, and they have uh, larger staff, uh, sometimes even doing research on the side uh, or as a primary activity. But what I'm trying to say is that these are bigger institutions and therefore they usually have bigger offerings in terms of courses and that usually translates into you have certain core courses that you have to take but you have optional courses that you can start to specialize in so maybe in a data science program you'll see optional courses uh, with advanced uh, machine learning or neural networks but then you'll see another track with optional courses you can take to specialize in data science in industry or maybe even in healthcare industry, uh, you'll see these sort of uh, specializations that you can start to use to uh, adjust your curriculum accordingly, uh, which is something you won't find so much in quicker, shorter programs. Yeah, that's a really good point. And then maybe a final point I would make is that, um, you know, small companies that depend on their graduates getting jobs in order for them to make uh, uh, money to be profitable, they have an interest in making sure their curriculum aligns with the needs of the job market. And again, that's not always the case in master's degrees. You know, just take it for what it's worth. Yeah, that's usually the smaller the organization or the more directly connected to the hiring market, um, yeah, the more, the more agile they are in adapting to it. Ooh, agile. That's a good word. Right. <laughs> uh, let's write that down, guys. That's a buzzword. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, I mean, there are your options, you know, all the way from sort of totally open self-learning just on what's available on the interwebs um, to joining conferences and user groups to doing asynchronous courses to more structured options like either synchronous online courses, uh, boot camps like the ones we've talked about, or even doing uh, a degree. And I suppose you can kind of mix and match these, right? There are yeah. um, boot camps that are offered by universities. There are um, uh, degrees that you get online. You know, I don't know. I yeah. suppose there's every combination here. But the point is, is that regardless of sort of your learning style, um, the the sort of time and money that you can invest 
um, what your schedule is like, I think there's an option for you if you want to either become a data scientist or at least level up and bring some data science skills into your uh, into your professional profile. You know, I'm curious. I'm curious, Gonzalo. What is your like? We talked a lot about these, but what's your what's you? I mean, you didn't start as a data scientist, so how did you? How did you kind of draw on the resources that we've talked about to end up doing what it is you're doing now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, long story short, I guess, uh, I started the academic route. Uh, My undergrad was actually in physics. So uh, in physics, uh, I started to notice I liked the computery parts of physics more than um, the experimental part. So it was a slow awakening into my love for computers and the power uh, that they have to help us solve our problems. Uh, so yeah, I'm a computer science by training and a computer scientist by training. Uh, and I was doing my PhD, but I was always um, looking out for uh, how I can work on projects that are more directly related to uh, problem solving in in, uh, in the corporate world, in the organizational world, and in the government world, uh, public policy world. Uh, so I actually went to a a three-day uh, accelerator where I had to code a mini web app and I, uh, I tried and failed many times at uh, developing my own apps. Uh, so I, w- I did this project-guided or project-oriented learning uh, and that's how I learned to code um, a website, for example. And then when I was finishing my, my PhD in computer science, which, by the way, was very theoretical, I was actually proving, it was closer to mathematics. I was proving math theorems. Um, and by the way, uh, Gonzalo just got his PhD, like you just got it last week, right? You're right, yeah. So congratulations. <laughs> thank you, thank you, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, usually the, the, the ceremony itself uh, is a few months after the... Uh, the thesis defense. So the stressful part of the uh, PhD had ended back in May, uh, but yeah, I got to I got the attend to attend the the um, graduation ceremony last week. And so you that got was the great. Hat. You got the hat. I you got did. the robe. Very Ex- very swanky. Very swanky. Yeah, it was a great experience, definitely. Um, but when I was finishing my PhD, I was I already knew I wanted to look into the world of data science. Um, and uh, I, I knew that uh, theoretical computer science was not, not for me. And that's when I found, uh, I, I started looking for opportunities. I found the bootcamp, uh, the data incubator. And I was actually a fellow uh, online. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I loved it. Uh, I, it was for me, the, the eight weeks was extremely intense. Uh, I had previous knowledge of computer science and coding. So uh, that part was uh, very useful for me. Um, but I ended up living, uh, loving data science, and here I am. Uh, what about what about you, Nicholas? Yeah, sh- share your your path. Well, I mean, my path is a little bit different than yours in the sense that uh, I mean, you started in physics, and I started in Latin American literature, right? So I was a Spanish professor for several years, and then I was working as a translation studies professor. And in translation studies, there's kind of like a a humanities side to the field and a more technical side to the field. And I was always kind of interested in what the technical folks were doing. And I was kind of like, oh, what's this? What's that? And I began to teach myself uh, programming and taking on more sort of technical projects, for lack of a better term. And at the time, I was living in the Middle East, and I needed, you know, I needed uh, like semi-guided learning, you know, something that worked with my schedule, but that was still give me structure. 
And so I did a, uh, I signed up for this online um, uh, education company called Data Camp. And I started working my way through their curriculum. And at the same time at work, I was finding more projects where I could apply those skills. And then I moved to an administrative job in the US and it was the same thing. It's like, how can I do all the work that I need to do in a much quicker and easier way? And that was always by learning something new in terms of data science. And at the same time, I knew I didn't want to be in academia forever. So I was joining users groups here in Los Angeles where I live and kind of connecting with people and seeing what they were doing. And I applied to the boot camp, um, the, the, the TDI boot camp. I got in. It was eight weeks. It was in D.C. I from D.C. So I got to <laughs> spend a lot of quality time with my parents. <laughs> and in the end, I ended up an instructor. So I get to keep doing all the teaching that I've been doing for the last you know, decade, which I love and working with adult learners. But now I also get to do all of this data science work. And at the same time, you know, there's still stuff that I'm always picking up, either from the user groups that I belong to or from our own curriculum. Or every now and then I'll take an online course just to sort of see if I'm, uh, you know, see if what I think is true actually is true. So that's so that's my my data science uh, journey. But I would say that you know drawing on almost all of these resources in kind of different ways at different times has really been helpful for me. And we are just the tiniest of samples, uh, and the the number of different data science paths out there must be uh, infinitely varied. Um, so yeah, we'd be really interested uh, in hearing about. Uh, how uh, your path is different so yeah maybe we can uh, meet each other in uh, some meetup in our cities in los angeles in dc uh, or in some user group and talk about uh, how we got into data science uh, that's what we wanted to talk about today um, once you get through the education uh, phase and you feel empowered and you want to get into your first data science job that's a whole other topic that maybe we can talk about in a future episode right yeah, so this is uh, this has been our first episode. Um, yeah, so thanks everyone for listening. Hopefully it's the first of many. Um, and I guess that would be us signing off, right, Nicholas? Unless we have yeah. some... Yeah, that would be it. No, um, I mean, please, if you like the podcast, let us know. Leave us a review. Leave us your comments. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow me on Twitter at ncgoodbody. What about you, Gonzalo? G Diaz C and Diaz is D I A Z. D I A Z. Excellent. And you can always check out uh, Pragmatic at pragmaticinstitute.com yeah. or the data incubator at thedataincubator.com or whatever. Just hit us up on LinkedIn or YouTube. We'll point you in the right way. Yeah. No problem. You'll find We're here us. for you guys. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you next time. Yep. See you next time. <laughs>